Hello everyone, it's meteorologist Mike Mahalik of the Weather Lounge. This episode of the podcast is about forensic meteorology and is a two-parter. The first half will be my interview with WeatherWorks forensic meteorologist Sherilyn Patrick and Zach Chabala. We'll talk about what a forensic meteorologist is and how the weather is used in legal cases and claims. The second half of the podcast will be a mock testimony where you can listen in to what our weather experts might be questioned about when testifying. In the testimony, we'll be talking about how ice can form at temperatures above freezing. It's quite interesting, and so is our CEO, Frank Lombardo, as the defense attorney. The second episode will be released next week. Until then, enjoy the first half of the podcast, starting right now. This is the Weather Lounge, here at WeatherWorks. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Weather Lounge. I am your host, meteorologist Mike Mahalik, in for Brad Miller, who will rejoin us in the next podcast. Anyway, I'd like to thank you for joining us this week, and today it's all about CSI weather. Yeah, we're talking about forensic meteorology, what it is, how it's used. We also have several of our forensic meteorologists in on this podcast, including forensic director Sherilyn Patrick. Also, Meteorologist Zach Chabala will be joining us in a special cameo by our president and CEO of WeatherWorks, Frank Lombardo. We'll also have a special simulated weather expert testimony during the second half of the program to give you kind of a feel of what our meteorologists might be questioned on during a weather-related case in, uh, and on the stand. But first, before we get on to that, let's take a quick little break. And after that, we'll talk to Sherilyn and Zach all about what is forensic meteorology. So stick around. Has your life or property been impacted by the weather? Are you involved in legal cases or claims? Turn to WeatherWorks, the experts in weather-related litigation. Our staff of certified consulting meteorologists have produced thousands of past weather reports for the insurance and legal industry. If your case involves personal injury, property damage, loss of business, workman's comp, or other weather-related matters, we are your experts. For more information, visit pastweatherreport.com or call us at 908-867-8350. When you think weather, think WeatherWorks. Welcome back, everybody, to the Weather Lounge. Again, I'm meteorologist Mike Mahalik, and we'll be talking about forensic meteorology. So without further ado, let's welcome... Forensic Director Sherilyn Patrick. How you doing, Sherilyn? Hi, good. How's everything with you, Mike? Oh, we're good. You know, uh, I wish I had my co-host Brad with me today, but uh, we're um, just going with one host for this interview, so you guys will have to bear with me a little bit. No problem. <laughs> um, but uh, also, uh, I think you brought one of uh, your forensic staff with you, right? Uh, Zach Chabala. Uh, Zach, yep. how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Mike. Thanks for having me on. (laughs) All right, great. Well, I'm really happy to talk about this because I think a lot of people don't realize that forensic meteorology is even a thing. Um, They see people giving the weather on uh, TV and on the radio, um, even on social media. But when you think about forensic weather, I don't think a whole lot of people know what that's all about. So, 
Um, just real quick, um, Zach, could you explain to us what what is forensic meteorology? Yeah, so forensic meteorology really is the reconstruction of weather for a certain time and location. And it usually is related to a, you know, a, a case for litigation or an insurance claim. Uh, so we're going back investigating the weather and kind of recreating it for, for whoever is looking for it. Uh, it's really interesting. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think, you know, like I said, a lot of people probably don't realize um, that weather can be a part of a legal case. Uh, I mean... I didn't think about it when I first started here in WeatherWorks, and that was over 12 years ago. <laughs> so I don't know how you guys uh, felt about that. I mean, did you guys even know about this when you were hired here? It um, it started to become more prominent. I remember hearing about it at the American Meteorological Society conference. Okay. Um, and then when I was looking for weather jobs, I realized that Frank here at WeatherWorks did it. Um, and it was the first thing when I inquired about a job here at Weatherworks yeah. was I really want to get into forensic meteorology. Oh, cool. Um, but prior to that, yeah, it really was an unknown field um, in the meteorology world. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy. And and the funny thing is, is that even when going back to when I was hired and, and I did my resume and all that, um, uh, I didn't realize that what we did at Weatherworks provided forecasts for snowplow contractors and things like that so i didn't even put that really in my resume because i was like well what do they think what, what do they care if i i worked for a landscaping company or something it didn't have to do with the weather but <laughs> but apparently it mattered a big deal <laughs> and, and i had no idea so that was a uh, <clears throat> a big fail on my part um when uh i was uh first hired here but they still uh, gave me the job which i'm very grateful for um, but we got a little ahead of ourselves there talking about forensic meteorology. But first, let's get a little background on you guys, uh, starting with Sherilyn. Um, what got you into weather and where did you go to pursue your degree? So I got into weather when I was younger. I was always into the science field and just watching uh, the Discovery Channel TLC back when they used to show really informative <laughs> um, documentaries. I got into the uh, tornado outbreaks. So 1999, oh, cool. 1991 and seeing a lot of that footage. Um, so that's what really kind of got me into the weather and wanted to pursue it at a young age. Um, and I eventually fell in love right here in New Jersey, Rutgers University. Okay. Uh, that's where I got my bachelor's degree. Um, and then I actually went a little bit further and got my master's degree at Mississippi State University. And what was the uh, master's degree on? Because you probably have like atmospheric uh, science or something like that from Rutgers and meteorology. But what was the bachelor's or uh, master's, excuse me? Yeah, the master's, it was a, a geoscience master's with okay. a focus in applied meteorology. Oh, very good. So applied meteorology, what exactly is that? Applied meteorology is essentially using the meteorology field towards applications. So here we're forecasting for snow and ice contractors, property managers. We use it for forensic cases. Um, it's really putting it toward the real life application as opposed to just looking at all the mathematics side as you sure. would in your bachelor's or maybe if you were going for a PhD. Yeah, I remember that was a big part of uh... <laughs> the uh, bachelor's degree when I was going through Penn State myself. But uh, over to Zach, uh, how about yourself? Uh, what got you into weather and where did you go? Yeah, so I'm not like a lot of people who like loved the weather or remember a specific storm right from when they were young that really got them interested. To be 100% honest, um, I just 
didn't want to go to school and I knew that getting snow days was like the easiest way to not go to school. So I started looking at the weather when I was, I don't know, like sixth, seventh grade. Um, I had no idea what I was looking at, but I knew that uh, blue meant snow and that was the easiest way to get off of school. So that was really what honestly started me into weather. Okay. Um, like yourself, I went to Penn State. Um, I've been yeah. going to Penn State for football games since I was less than a year old and it just was natural that that's where I went. Perfect. So um, did you have any specialties at Penn State as far as uh, a different um, avenue? I know there was a few options within the major. Um, I went and did the forecasting and broadcasting communications. I don't remember exactly what it was called, but whatever, whatever the forecasting track was, that was what I went through. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's great. I mean, obviously, with your communications background, that probably helps you out a little bit uh, when you yeah. have to you know, make reports and stuff for the forensic uh, team. Yeah, just overall forensics and forecasting, being able to communicate with people effectively is, you know, it's a huge communication in the field overall is just a huge thing. Um, you know, being able to put the science into terms that people understand. And it's the same thing with attorneys being able to, um, you know, write a report that's that's understandable mm -hmm. um, is is a huge deal. So, yeah, definitely a communication background is, is a huge help. OK, um, so. I'm hearing about different types of backgrounds uh, from you guys uh, with applied meteorology and communications. Um, but Sherilyn, are there really credentials that you have to have uh, to get into forensic meteorology? So really all you need is a bachelor's in uh, meteorology or atmospheric science. Mm -hmm. um, but to really kind of strengthen yourself as an expert, it is important to take continuing classes, um, go for that, you know, master's or maybe PhD degree. Um, I know the American Meteorological Society, they have a certification, the Certified Consulting Meteorologist. Mm -hmm. um, once you have enough experience in the field, you do enough cases, go to trial testimony, um, you can apply for that designation. Um, and it really helps strengthen you as an expert. Um, you can also take classes in snow and ice management. So regarding de-icers, abrasives, um, proper snow and ice removal uh, techniques, uh, that is helpful as well. Mm -hmm. um, and I do know that uh, one of our forensic meteorologists, he actually has the um, SIMA um, Advanced Snow Manager certification. Um, so it's Again, a minimum of a bachelor's degree, but you definitely want to continue in adding on to your qualifications to really bolster yourself as an expert. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's 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 good to know because you know many people might just wonder, well, can they pull anybody off the street or what, what's going right. on here? But obviously, <laughs> you at least need that base in uh, um, in bachelor's of science in meteorology. Um, but um, you know, I'm thinking about forensic meteorology a little bit more and, and people are probably like right away going to um you know uh the csi program they're watching or or whatever it might be and thinking about these crime scene investigations things like that but um my question to you guys is and i guess we'll start with zach um what kind of cases do you really work on uh, in the forensic field i mean is it only a certain type or a majority of a certain type or um, you know, what's kind of the, uh, the case uh, load there? Yeah. So the majority of the cases we work on are slip and fall related. Um, but you know, that's not all we do. Like I said, that's the majority. We do property damage from severe weather, whether it be hail damage or strong winds, 
Um, we've done electrocution cases. We do lighting cases um, with sun glare and things like that. We've worked on flood cases, drowning cases, all sorts of stuff. Um, like I said, slip and falls is our main thing, but pretty much anything that, that the weather could impact, we've probably done a case related to it. Wow. And now, like, who actually gets these reports? I mean, you guys obviously produce uh, several different reports, um, but who is it for? Is it just attorneys or is it for other organizations or for just somebody who needs a past weather report? Yeah, really, it could be anyone. Um, again, a lot of it's law firms and attorneys. We do both plaintiff and defense. Um, but insurance companies for weather-related claims will request uh, certified past weather reports from us. Mm-hmm. Engineering firms, um, you know, an attorney might hire an engineer for a case um, and they need a weather report. So we'll produce weather reports for engineering firms. And then sometimes just individuals will come to us um, and say, hey, we need a re- weather report. Or sometimes our own clients even will will need a weather report for something or another and they'll come to us. So really, you could be anyone. The, we've We've done it for individuals, attorneys, insurance companies. A lot of people. Yeah. I mean, I think that's an important to know um, uh, that it doesn't have to be an attorney, right? Um, if if you are, you know, maybe you're a snowplow contractor and you had somebody slip and fall and you want to get a report about it. I mean, that's probably, you know, something you might want to or, or to prove that, hey, you know, like it, it was, wasn't possible or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of different applications to this. I mean, I think I remember even uh, uh, Frank talking one time, our CEO, uh, Frank Lombardo, talking about one time he had to do like a criminal type case about footprints in the snow or something like that. Um, That was uh, quite a mystery. I don't know if you guys remember uh, that story, if Frank ever told you that one. It sounds vaguely familiar, but I personally don't know what the case was. I'm sure if I go into the archives, I can dig it up. <laughs> sure. I love looking for those oddball cases that we've done. Yeah. Uh, those are always interesting. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I forget exactly what it was all about, but I know it was like, was it possible for footprints to even be in the snow? Because was there snow on the ground to begin with from the recent uh, storm? And it, it was something like that. Um, so it, like either verified or, or debunked whatever the one testimony was from somebody. I don't know. It was something like that. Maybe one day we'll have Frank answer that question for us here <laughs> on the podcast. Um, but, uh, it was certainly an interesting case. Um, but, you know, getting back to forensic meteorology here at Weatherworks, uh, Cheryl Lynn, um, tell me a little bit about your team. Um, uh, who's, you know, Tell me like how it's structured, like who's all within the department, what kind of uh, seniority everybody has and uh, the credentials. Yeah, of course. So, I mean, obviously we have uh, our CEO, Frank Lombardo. He was the first forensic meteorologist here at Weatherworks uh, going on 40 years Hmm. of doing these, you know, forensic reports ever since the 80s. Um, So he kind of oversees the department. (laughs) whoops Um, (laughs) sorry frank if you're listening um but he essentially oversees the department um he does do you know a couple cases from time to time especially with uh his particular long-term clients um we also have our uh, senior forensic meteorologist thomas m else um as i mentioned before regarding the certified consulting meteorologist designation as well as the um advanced snow manager 
Frank and Tommy have both the CCM, um, but then Tommy went a little bit further and got that ASM, that Advanced Snow Manager designation. Um, and as the senior forensic meteorologist, I mean, he's got 23 years of experience. Uh, he essentially does most of the cases here at Weatherworks, uh, especially slip and fall cases. Um, he's been to testimony numerous times, uh, probably at least 30 to 40 times, um, ever since he's been doing forensic reports back in the 90s. So Tommy's kind of our lead guy in terms of doing the reports. And then there's myself as the forensic director. Um, I started about six years ago, uh, worked my way up the chain, eventually became head honcho in terms of managing the department. Um, and I make sure everything essentially runs smoothly, that we're, you know, making sure we meet clients' needs, um, that all the meteorologists here meet their goals, um, going through the training process, um, you know, Zach Chabala that we have right here, he's just about ready to be a full-fledged forensic meteorologist. He's mm -hmm. done a number of reports. Um, I directly oversee him. I've reviewed his reports. They're great. They're probably better than when I first started <laughs> signing off on my own reports. Look out, Sherilyn. Um, That's coming. <laughs> so <laughs> I've, him and I have been working, especially on hail cases. Okay. We've been doing a lot of those. Um, and Zach does a fantastic job with them. So I've been giving some of my own cases over to Zach <laughs> instead. Wow. <laughs> um, well, Zach and needs then, that uh, experience, though, so it's not... It, uh, exactly. <clears throat> yeah, it's pretty much trial by fire, quite yeah. literally, um, when it comes to forensic meteorology. Um, and then, of course, we're always looking for um, new members. So we have uh, Megan McCarthy. Um, she got hired here about two or three years ago, and she's going through the training process right now, uh, where at first we have, before you even become a forensic meteorologist here at our firm, you mm -hmm. learn about the different data sources and you do data collection, learning mm -hmm. all about the data and how to interpret the data. Then you actually start doing analyses. So you start doing weather tables mm -hmm. um, where you're like, oh, what's the high and low temperature each day? How much precipitation fell each day? Um, and then you move on to writing the actual paragraphs of the report. And then once you get to a certain uh, level, um, where we feel comfortable just letting you fly, then you start to sign off on your own reports. Um, so probably about another year or two for her. Um, but again, it's all all part of the training process, and I think we have a nice hierarchy here in our yeah. department. No, absolutely. And uh, once upon a time, I used to sign off on my own reports. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> um, you but... had that win case that almost went to trial, and you almost... <laughs> Yeah, that you was almost an, had to go. <laughs> that was an interesting one, and I've only been at trial uh, one other time, um, so that was that was certainly an interesting case. I remember that one. That was the one I believe it was um, where a tree. Um, uh, there was a severe thunderstorm in the area, and a tree fell down, and um, and uh, I think it might have either injured really badly or or, or killed a person. I'm not sure. Um, but, um, it, I had to go through and I had to figure out, uh, where the wind's high enough to possibly cause that tree to come down, um, and, and all of that. So I think I'm right on that, right? Sherilyn, that was yeah, the case. I'm that... pretty sure the person was severely injured. I don't think they passed away, but they oh, were definitely goodness. severely injured. <laughs> but still you're talking about, I mean, the reason why we, <clears throat> the whole reason why we do this weather reconstruction is for plaintiff and defense it's a matter of verifying the weather conditions. And if somebody mm -hmm. is injured and injured for the rest of their life, 
um, you know, it's going to involve money. <laughs> sure. No. Absolutely. So, um, so I'm just uh, wondering, you know, people are probably thinking, oh, past weather. How do you even go about finding, you know, what what the weather was in the past? Uh, how, how do you how do you go about doing that? So maybe if uh, if somebody maybe Zach could take us through that. You know, like, where do you start when you're starting to research a case? What are we looking at first? Um, you know, what what are we doing to even get that started off the ground? Sure. Um, so where I would start is with um, automated surface observing station uh, weather data. That's basically the weather data that is at the bigger airports across the country. Mm -hmm. That's generally considered the most reliable and accurate weather data. Um, so taking that weather data and, and kind of plotting that and determining, you know, which which airports date, what airport data is most representative to, uh, you know, the incident location is where I would start. And all that data is archived by the National Centers of Environmental Information. Um, pretty much all of the government data is, you could get through there. Um, you could get supplementary data, um, co-op data, which is, is basically rainfall and snowfall data you could get. Um, through there as well, Coco Ross, which is a private observing network that has a little bit of a denser network. So again, they have rain and snowfall data. A lot of times you'll be able to get, um, you know, Coco Ross stations that are a little bit closer to the incident location than, than the airports, mm -hmm. uh, just because like I said, the network's a little bit denser. Um, and then there's a bunch of other, uh, you know, weather observing networks that, that has temperature data and other things like that, that you could plot and you know supplement that that reliable airport data um so again you could have a incident location that's 20 or 30 miles away from an airport different elevation you know different weather conditions it's not always going to be the same so getting some of that closer supplemental data is always important to really make sure that you're getting the most site specific and accurate report as possible and then we'll also pull national weather service products watches warnings advisory statements the forecast that they issued mm -hmm. um the you know see if how well a, an event was forecasted um was there lead time to this event was it a surprise event how you know how long was it in the forecast so we'll pull that data too um to you know make sure that there was lead time and things of that nature wow i mean i, I mean uh, me being a part of it again it was it was years ago um, but I remember there was a lot of information there that you had to go through. I mean, these reports are very, very thorough. And I'm sure, Sherilyn, you could speak to that. Um, this isn't something that you just pull a station or two and you just start writing this up. There's a lot involved um, with coming up with these uh, past weather reports. Very much so. Yeah. Um, but I think um, what's... Uh, Something that I, I think is interesting is uh, I'm sure a lot of people out there might be thinking like, what are some of the most interesting things that you've got, you've investigated? Um, you know, uh, like I said, mine might have just been the uh, the wind damage on that tree that injured somebody. Um, but I mean, how about yourself, Sherilyn? What was one of the most interesting cases? I mean, not naming names or <laughs> anything like that or <laughs> dates or locations, but um, just uh, just something that was really interesting to you. Um, I would say the most interesting case I did personally was a DUI case. Um, the defendant essentially said that he was a couple clicks away from a policeman and the policeman came over to him because he smelled alcohol on his breath after he got out of his vehicle. 
um, and got charged with the DUI. So the defendant said there was no way that he could have smelt it because it was too windy. Mm. Uh, so that was definitely the most interesting case. And, you know, just trying to explain that it's not a matter of how windy it is or are you also upstream or downstream right. <laughs> of the policeman? Because if the wind is just blowing it towards the policeman, sure, it's plausible. Um, but if it's going in the opposite direction, then sure, it would have been difficult for the policeman to have even determined that. Right. Um, so that was definitely the most interesting one. See, that's interesting. Like, now, who out there would have thought that weather would have been involved <laughs> in a DUI case? You know, here you're thinking, okay, the guy had too much to drink. You know, <laughs> he, he got pulled over pretty straightforward. But here, you know, with the, what direction the wind's going, if there even was wind that uh, day or night, you know, that that's just, that's amazing to me that weather would get involved in that. Um, but Zach, um, how about yourself? Um Probably the most interesting one that I've worked on is a, a capsized boat out in the Atlantic Ocean. Um, there were some drownings with it, um, but it just it, it was interesting because, again, like I said, a lot of the stuff that I work on is property damage, and a lot of the other stuff we do is is slip and fall related. To, so you know, having to pull some some you know buoy data and go over wave height and uh, time periods between waves and different things like that was an interesting little twist to what i normally do here yeah that is definitely definitely interesting and uh again another another aspect of whether you wouldn't think about um but uh you know i'm thinking for myself what the most interesting case was but honestly guys i was pretty boring (laughs) (laughs) i worked on a lot of slip and fall cases which are basically (laughs) determining whether or not ice was possible at the time of an accident um a lot of them were for uh insurance uh claims too they weren't really going to uh trial or anything to that effect um but um you know the the one thing i would say um was interesting is is one of the slip and fall cases i worked on um i actually did go to trial for uh which was my only my one and only <laughs> um trial um, that I've been on the stand, and it's quite interesting how that goes down. Um, I remember at one point they go over your uh, your education and whether or not you're qualified to be a weather expert. I think it's called something. I don't know if one of you can help me out. Uh, it starts with a V. I think it might be. Um, but it re- does. Give me a second. I got to yeah. think. Um, um, it's it's Latin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Um, I think Frank might be able to fill us in in the second portion of this yeah. uh, program. Uh, what the technical term of that uh, uh, credential period is called within the trial. Um, but um, I remember they they said, well, uh, give us your credentials and, and start with your education. So I said, well, you want me to start in college? No, no, start in high school. And I was thinking <laughs> to myself, like, high school? Like, uh, I was captain of of the defense on football team. Uh, I played track and field and threw the javelin. I mean, like, what do you need to know from high school? I mean, general education, right? Um, But, uh, yeah, it was just quite interesting when they went through that. And then we got into the case more. And and like I said, it was pretty boring, I would say. The one attorney was trying to submit a piece of uh, data and trying to say it was a more of an airport, a more higher first order um, uh, observation station. And uh, I 
totally shot that down because it definitely was not. And uh, I think it was a Coca Rahaz station, actually. Oh, jeez. Uh, and they were trying <laughs> to submit it as more of a higher level, like uh, Philadelphia International Airport type thing. Right. Um, no, it was not. Um, but um, um, so so those are some interesting cases. I know, uh, like I said, Frank has some interesting cases too. He's worked on in the past. Um, I know there's definitely lightning cases that we've worked on too. Um, uh, in the past. And I don't know, Sherilyn, if you've worked on any of those, but I know we get pretty specific with those, uh, like the Google Earth maps of where the strikes could have happened and all of that. Yeah, I personally didn't work on that case, but um, the director before me, Sam D'Alba, mm. he worked closely with Frank on that. And it was a, a big case out in Atlantic City where these workers were working on a um, you know, new casino hotel and they had nowhere to go, couldn't escape, and there was a thunderstorm coming and struck one guy. Mm. Um, another guy had, um, I think he got electrocuted, but he wasn't, you know, terribly, um, horribly injured. He was injured, but not horribly. And then another guy had a heart attack just watching it. Wow. Um, yeah. So it was a very high profile case and it took a lot of, you know, was there advance notice? That was the big thing. Um, and there was even mm. just days prior, there was the risk for thunderstorms. You could see the thunderstorm coming at you yeah, sure. and then being able to plot those lightning strikes. So we do use, um, it's called the solid data and they can actually provide nearly site specific lightning strike data. Wow. And then we plot it with the incident location over Google Earth, showed how many strikes occurred either at the property or within the surrounding area, um, to essentially help out that case. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even even workers that were uh, building a new house where, where I live, um, they were on the roof way too long. I almost went out there myself and was like, you guys got to get down. This looks incredibly dangerous. I was just thinking this is a this is a lawsuit uh, waiting to happen. Um, but fortunately, they got down before it got too dangerous. But um, uh I, I think one last thing, guys, uh, you know, you're talking to me about all types of reports, all types of clients you uh, have worked with, but you have an idea about how many cases you might do in a year? Yeah, for the department as a whole, um, the last couple of years, it's been averaging out to right around 500 reports a year. Wow. Wow. Uh, I mean, that's, that's a lot of reports. Um, and, you know, I'm certainly... You know, thank you guys for doing such a great job uh, here with our uh, forensic team here at uh, Weatherworks. Um, but I think one thing that will be most interesting um, to our listeners out there is how that trial goes, how that testimony goes, or or how the uh, deposition goes um, in the real world. And um, we're going to give everybody a little bit of a taste of that, right, guys, uh, in the second half? <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> so we'll have uh, we'll have that in the second half of the program. It'll be really interesting to go over the case. I know we'll have a our special guest uh, Frank Lombardo in on that. Um, I think he may be uh, sitting in as one of the attorneys. Uh, we'll see how that all goes. Well, thank you for listening to part one of our forensic meteorology episode. The good news is you won't have to wait that long for the second half. We'll have part two and the mock testimony next week. 
So be sure to visit back next Wednesday. In the meantime, be sure to visit Weatherworks on social media and weatherworksinc.com for weather updates and the services we provide for our clients. Also, don't forget you can email us. Just email weatherlounge at weatherworksinc.com if you have any ideas for the show or even to give suggestions for guests. So that's it for this week's show. Be sure to join us next week. 